Welcome to The Gallopod with me, Galloplacidia. In this episode, I'm reading chapter 5 of The Bolt Hole, a new fic I wrote with ADMI and Tepra. If you're not here for dreary fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning. This episode contains explicit sex scenes, and this story deals with themes of grief and hoarding. I hope you enjoy The Bolt Hole. Chapter 5 Something quiet and askew dragged him back up. Only barely, only not quite above water. He was still sleep-drunk, and his head cottony, his body sore, muscles strained like he'd pushed them both to the edge. The room was very dark, and it felt like the deepest valley of the night. He was curled around Draco, holding him tightly to his chest. Draco's hand was clenched around his wrist, grip going loose and then harsh, loose and then harsh. He was whispering something to himself, very softly, and it took Harry a moment to make out the words. He was so groggy. Draco was so warm to his skin. Be better, Draco muttered, barely audible, and softly squeezed Harry's wrist. He was doing it to the rhythm of his mantra, which now went, Be better, be better, be... Draco? It came out not exactly a word, more a grousing sound. Draco stilled. Harry said, What are you doing? Sorry, Draco whispered, and let go of Harry's wrist. Go to sleep, he told him, and put the flat of his hand to the hot dip of Draco's stomach. His muscles jumped. He said then, sounding careful, Have you been awake for long? Go to sleep, Harry said. Draco said, Sorry, again, and turned around under Harry's arm to look at him in the dark. Harry's hand slipped from his waist, and then Harry wasn't sure what to do with it. What had he ever done with his hands when not touching Draco? He couldn't remember, couldn't think. Draco whispered, I keep on waking up, and, any suggestions? Harry brushed his fingers over Draco's eyes and closed them for him. Draco's breath puffed against his palm. Thanks, Draco said, flat. If Harry moved his hand down, he'd be able to trace the lines of Draco's mouth, feel if he was smiling or not. Very helpful. He turned from Harry and lay on his back, eyes open and trained on the ceiling, a gleam in the dark, his mouth tight. He'd been so thrilled to put that mouth on Harry just a few hours ago. He'd said he'd liked it, that he'd liked Harry's hair, liked Harry's face and shoulders and... Harry had the childish urge to ask him to repeat it, but that felt stupid and needy and as if he'd reveal himself for what he was, inexperienced, eager, obsessed with every word that came out of Draco's mouth. He thought, what if I just grab him again and pull him close? He thought, what if I keep him under me and don't let him go? Draco gave a frustrated hitch of a breath and got out of bed to go to the bathroom. He hissed getting to his feet, walked with an awkward gait, his bare back, the moving muscles of his buttocks, his thighs. Harry ran hot watching him go, with lust and then with shame. He'd been very rough. He tried to remember exactly how rough and suddenly couldn't remember. It was all a blur of arousal of him telling Draco how good he felt, how much he wanted him, and holding Draco in place, not letting him move, ordering him to stay. He swallowed around the tightness of his throat. The first wave of panic rolled and then went. He listened to Draco take a piss in the other room. The door was open, the light on, a strip of it over the empty floor of the carpet. There was so much space in the house now. Everything was so visible. Harry rolled to his side and curled in on himself, and when Draco came back, he pretended to be asleep. Draco put a hand to Harry's back, briefly, and said, Harry? And Harry made his breaths very slow and measured, and Draco's hand fell from him. His presence was near and warm under the sheets, his legs not touching but tickling against Harry's, an inch away a comfort and a terror all at once. Harry didn't know how to want. 
didn't know how to reach out with a soft touch, how to have a little and not demand all. He didn't know how to eat his dinners and not inhale them, didn't know how to have one biscuit and not the whole packet, didn't know how to get one thing, just the one thing, and stop there. He didn't know how to kiss Draco and then stop. He didn't know how to have him once and then not have him. Behind him, Draco muttered again, something even quieter now, and just once. Harry couldn't hear. He pretended sleep until sleep came, patchy and sweaty, dreams of unclear sex, of Draco suddenly being on the other side of the room getting dressed. The house was a mess again, stuff everywhere, and Harry was heartbroken over it, and asking why, why was he leaving, why not stay, and Draco tied his shoelaces and said, This just isn't what I had in mind. Don't I deserve better? Have you seen my gloves? I'm sure I left them somewhere and... Harry woke up early and dry-mouthed. He was on his back, and Draco was curled close, his nose to Harry's shoulder, his hand over Harry's chest, a hollow palm over Harry's nipple. His breathing was even, and his mouth a bruised curl. Dawn rose, muted and quiet, light through the snow. Harry remained unmoving for a while, staring at the curtains, trying desperately to reel back the roiling ache that had begun to crest in the night. But it was no use. It was done, and over, and decided— the resigned knowledge that he'd have to destroy anything that hurt even the littlest piece of Draco, and that he'd feel this way forever, for the rest of his life. His heart was racing. Draco sighed in his sleep, and Harry could scream. He didn't. He got out of bed and silently dressed, then hastened to the kitchen and got himself a glass of water. The windows had frosted in the night, and now the sun came melting through. He built a small fire in the hearth, his feet cold on the floor, kept blowing into his hands, rubbing them together. The fridge hummed, the table was cleared, there was a bowl of apples, a little note with a list of things still to do about the house, a basket of clean towels, two pairs of boots by the back door, a dried thatch of sage hanging from the pan rack. Harry absently rubbed over his chest, trying to soothe the bruising there, and then realised what he was doing, and that there was no bruise. He pulled on some shoes and a jumper, and left the house, out the garden, and up the hill. Everything was covered in snow, and nothing had the shape it was supposed to have, which was thrilling somehow. It was cold and brisk and good. The air was clean on his lungs, and when he stood at the top of the incline, he turned and looked back down at the cottage, the new roof now a shiny white, and the chimney releasing a thin strand of smoke that curled and curled into the sky. The bruising only got worse. He lost his breath and walked quickly down the country lane and argued with himself over ways that he should still be allowed to have this. Perhaps he could learn, he thought. Perhaps he could learn how to want normally touch normally. Perhaps it was only his inexperience that made him so rough, that made him want to be the one to hold down, to hold Draco where he wanted him, and perhaps if he could, if he'd explain, then perhaps Draco might understand, and, and let him try, and he wouldn't, if Draco wanted, that is, again, to try, to... A heap of snow fell from a bare branch with a dull thud. Two jackdaws jumped off into flight. He would go back home and make Draco breakfast. He would say sorry for what happened, for how rough and crude he'd been. Sorry for how unchecked he'd let his lust take shape. He'd promised to be better if Draco would have him. Softer, gentler. He'd talk to him properly, confess what he wanted, or at least that he wasn't sure what he wanted beyond a general direction, Draco wards. He would... Good morning, Harry! It was that woman who rode by sometimes. She was on foot now, arms clasped behind her back, scarf piled high around her neck. She seemed very cheerful, raised her hand in greeting. Harry squinted at her. It seemed awkward and annoying that other people existed just now. It was inconvenient for him, and it didn't seem real anyway. Uh, hello. Elsie, she said. Oh, said Harry, then stuck out his hand. Harry, uh, which you knew. Your boyfriend has told me all about you, said Elsie. My boyfriend, said Harry, blankly. 
"'Draco,' said Elsie. "'He's such a nice young man.' "'Um,' Harry said, and tried to imagine a world in which boyfriend made sense when applied to Draco, when applied to their fraught and knotted history, the horrible hunger in his chest when Draco smiled at him and moved out of reach, the easy, careless way they reached for terrible things to say to each other. And while he was still quietly reeling over this, Elsie continued, "'Utterly besotted with you, of course.' "'He is?' said Harry. "'Have you been together for long?' asked Elsie. "'We're not together,' said Harry, trying to focus. "'Did he say we were?' "'Oh!' Elsie looked mortified. "'I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have. It was only the way he spoke about you. I'm so sorry.' "'No, no, that's that's fine,' said Harry. "'He spoke about me.' "'I've said too much,' said Elsie. "'No, really, I'm—' "'It's fine,' said Harry. "'Well, I've put my foot in it now.' "'I do hope you won't hold it against me. "'Draco and I have become such good friends,' said Elsie. "'Yeah, he's good at that,' said Harry, making friends. "'There was an awkward pause. "'Harry's heart had moved an inch to the left, "'confused, folding in on itself. "'Well, I, I really am sorry,' said Elsie. "'I'd better be getting on.' "'She gave him an embarrassed little smile and walked away, "'more quickly in her pace than before. "'She kept her gaze slightly up, as though inspecting the horizon. "'Harry stared after her. Utterly besotted with you, of course, was overwhelming and worrying and probably untrue. She didn't know Draco, not really. She didn't know the easy act he put on with everyone, the affection he lavished everywhere, the charm he couldn't help but dial up to ten, like he was either a bitten-mouthed antagonist or a terrible flirt. But something about boyfriend kept tripping him, the imagined entity of it. The way Draco must have folded Harry into his conversation, into his life. It was as though the word made a possibility which had never quite existed before. Harry pushed his knuckles back to his sore chest, a breeze picked up, sent a dusting of snow chasing over the land. Harry shook. He wasn't at all dressed for the weather. Last night, Draco had sucked Harry's tongue into his mouth and hummed. He'd come with Harry inside him. When he'd first arrived that long month ago, he'd hugged Harry in greeting, awkward and sad. "'You're not clear to me,' he'd yelled at Harry, holding on to him. "'I don't understand you at all.' When the cottage came back into view, the smoke from the chimney had thickened and an odd quiet hung over the house like an exclamation point. Harry lost his footing a few times, running down the hill, slipping over the ice, catching himself with a harsh heel of hand to the gravelly ground below. He said to himself, Don't imagine things, don't imagine things, don't. But he knew the moment he was through the door, knew the way he'd always known throughout his life, had always known, how danger could wait in adjacent rooms, how it prickled in the air, how it made everything eerie and silent. The drawers in the kitchen had been wrenched open, the cupboards, the pantry. Someone had gone through them and rummaged and looked for something in a hurry. He could hear a strange, soft panting, the low and miserable noises of an animal slinking away to hide its pain, trying not to draw any attention to itself in case the predator was still close by, and stunningly like the sounds that Harry had heard before, in a bathroom in Sixthia. It could have been a bird, flown in through an open window, trapped and confused. It could have been a mouse in a trap. Harry called, Draco, and waited for him to appear, yawning and rumpled from Harry's bed. Oh, so you finally managed to get up early. Wait, that can't be. How do I know you're the real Harry Potter? But there was no Draco, and no fond, amused drawl. Just that sound, light, delicate, pained. The living room had been knocked over as well. Pillows upturned, cabinet doors open. Harry said, shit, and took the stairs two at a time and ran towards the sound. It was coming from the guest bedroom, which, when he threw the door open, was absurdly tidy compared with the rest of the house's disorder. They'd cleaned it over the last week. The mess of thatch was gone, the ruined bed cast aside, the floorboards polished and bare, and the only real disorder left was Draco, on the floor, curled in a tight semicircle, his legs twitching, 
his breath coming short and sharp. Those low, whimpering noises. There was a lot of blood on the floor. Harry was on his knees by Draco's side before he'd even thought about moving. Draco was so pale he looked almost green, and one arm was flung out, fingers slippery on the floor, scrabbling for purchase, and the other was pressed close to his chest, his hand a tight fist. He whimpered and jerked. He was still in his boxes, wearing one of Harry's stupid T-shirts. It said, FBI, female body inspector. Draco, Harry said, and his hand was on Draco's shoulder, the other reaching for his palm, fumbling along his pale arm. The blood was everywhere, making it hard to take proper hold of him, hard to see where the hurt was, and when he looked up at Harry his eyes were wide and surprised. He looked as though he'd seen an old friend he wasn't expecting. He looked as though he was dying. Harry's wand was out, but he didn't know what to cast, how to help. Draco, what? Ah, Draco said, shit, I... And he shoved his hand awkwardly up towards Harry, that slippery wet fist, and Harry caught it, tried to prise Draco's fingers open, felt them locked, the unpleasant hum of dark magic. The blood poured from within his fist. Let go, Harry said. Can't, said Draco, and Harry nodded grimly, cradling Draco's fist up towards him, his face. There was a cut, elongating, spreading open, inching slowly towards Draco's artery, others along his knuckles, ripping away his lovely skin, the grisly sheen of bone. The cuts leapt and dashed up his arm, aiming for arteries, for veins, and locked in his shaking fist was the cause, and Harry wanted it, Harry needed it. He'd never made anything of himself after Hogwarts. He'd never done anything but hurt the house and hurt himself, and occasionally, for a fun change of pace, hurt Draco. He'd never studied or gone on and become an aura like he'd promised himself he would. And all of his anger and uselessness had sat in this house, festering with him, and it leapt to his fingers and his wand and his magic blazed around him, and, brutal, he forced open Draco's fist. Draco was screaming. The room stank of blood and sweat and fear, Draco's lovely room that he had fixed twice now, and burning in the middle of Draco's palm, clinging to him like a lover, was the sheen of round metal. It might have been bronze once, or gold, but it was slippery blood now. So red it looked black. Harry seized it and dragged it away. Draco's back arched, his head knocking against the ground, a helpless hurt cry, and Harry was yelling himself, the coin, for that was what it was, and Harry had bought it himself, he vaguely remembered, a late night, a bored response to a classified, something he'd chucked in a cupboard and never bothered looking at again, sticking to his own fingers now, burning red hot, blood welling up in his nail beds, horrible and strikingly deliberate pain racing down his arm, like someone was taking a dagger to the centre of his palm and shoving tenderly in. But Harry was stronger than his own stupid fucking house, and he shook his hand and threw the awful thing aside. It bounced across the floorboards and lay, still and gleaming, in a corner. Harry had already turned, bent over Draco, who was unconscious, his face pale and gleaming with sweat. There was blood under his chin, over his hands, soaking through Harry's shirt where he'd pressed his fist, and Harry picked up his beautiful damaged hand and pressed it to his lips. He still felt alert and wired with magic, all of it coursing through him, and the healing spells came easily, Draco's skin knitting back together, the bones crunching back into place. He didn't bother with his own hand, which now only throbbed vaguely, as though he'd jammed it into a door. The healing spells wouldn't do anything about the blood that had already been shed, and, Harry thought numbly, Draco didn't like blood. Harry gathered him up into his arms, light and easy, Draco's head resting against his chest. The sharp lines of pain should have made him look older, more haggard, but he looked like he had an eighth year again. Harry's throat hurt, his eyes were hot and dry. He carried Draco as carefully as he could into the bathroom and summoned a basin of hot water and a washcloth because he didn't want to let Draco go, and Draco stirred while he was still in Harry's arms. He sat them down carefully, 
Breath caught high, sweaty, one hand on the edge of the bathtub. The tiles were cold under them. He kept Draco between the cradle of his legs, his back to Harry's chest. Keep your eyes closed, he said. Draco's fingers spasmed around Harry's. He said, voice all scratched up, Motherfucker! in that rolling, posh accent, all enunciation and disdain, and Harry's laugh hitched, something rough and painful in his chest. He turned his face blindly against Draco's hair, and then went back to his work, carefully wiping the blood from Draco's hands, his arms, pushing up the sleeves of Harry's too big t-shirt to get to his elbows, where his arteries had lovingly opened themselves up. Now and then he dipped the cloth in the water, rinsed and began again, and the water was clouding now, pink-tinged. Harry's hands were very steady, and it was Draco beneath them who had begun to shake. We need to get out of here, Harry said. I don't know who would have done that. I know who did it, Draco said. One whole sentence. Harry's hands stilled for a moment, and he thought into the dark. Thank you. Hermione told me. Hermione, what? asked Harry. It's a curse, Draco said. Sunken treasure. We've been looking for it forever. She sent me a letter. It's... And then he opened his eyes and made eye contact with the cloudy bowl of water and the drying blood still streaking up his arms and his own filthy shirt, and he gulped, throat working. And Harry clapped his hands over Draco's eyes. I'll get it, he said. Don't open your eyes. I see Hermione's letter. And the ball of parchment flew towards him, slotted neatly into his hand. Harry smoothed it out. It was covered in Hermione's cramped and nervous handwriting, and written in a hurry. Dear Draco, breakthrough. We were on to something with the Coleridge. We had a new case last night, just a kid, really. It happened right outside the leaky. He'd been on his way home. And luckily Fitz was there at the time. Saw it all. Got him to St. M on time. A Spanish dollar. We took him in, and at St. M they worked on making the intention threads readable. And anyway, it turns out we had him on file. Unfortunate family. Very troubled. Mixed in with the DE during the war. He was V-young at the time. Ten? Eleven? Stood witness to his parents' arrest. <laughs> you and Hermione both need to learn to cut to the chase, Harry said grimly. I forgot you were the epistolary master. Draco said snidely, which should not have given Harry half the hope it did. He flicked his fingers and set the parchment out to hang in the air, where he could clean Draco up and read it at the same time. Dealt with a lot of guilt, etc. St. M came through and confirmed. All victims who've been killed slash attacked by the cursed objects equal guilty. That explains the scattershot nature of the deaths and resuscitations when they come back from the dead to accomplish good deeds, etc. Unsure of origin. Distribution equals random. Civilian vigilante? We'll brainstorm with Fritz. Now we'll just have to be on the lookout for objects that fit the bill. Think pieces of eight. Things like that. So let me know if... Harry stopped reading. He'd thought someone had come inside, had hurt Draco, had cursed him. But the coin had almost certainly been buried deep, and the only one who knew where every little thing in this house was, who had catalogued them all, in horror and humour, was Draco. Oh, you fucking idiot, said Harry. You think a piece of cursed pirate treasure can tell you whether you're guilty? Well, it did, Draco said. Can I open my eyes yet? No, Harry said grouchily, because he didn't like it when Draco tried to kill himself. And he got the last flecks of blood around Draco's bony wrists, and he scourgified the t-shirt, and he summoned some fresh water and dunked his own face because he'd gotten blood on it where he'd kissed Draco's hand, where he'd pulled him close. He tilted Draco's face back towards him, his hands on Draco's cheek, his jaw. Draco went willingly, eyes closed, pale and waiting. Harry wanted to kiss him very badly. He said, all clean, and Draco opened his eyes, and they looked at each other. The expression on Draco's face was... Harry didn't know what to do with it. He said, How did you even know I had a piece of eight? I found it a while back, and I didn't think anything of it. It was in a plastic casing, said Draco. So then you got Hermione's letter this morning, and what, you thought perfect opportunity to test my immortal soul? He was trying to be funny, 
but he wasn't as good at it as Draco. It came out low, tight with fury and misery. And Draco looked away, tired, back at the tiled bathroom wall. His head came back to rest against Harry's shoulder. He said, Something like that. I don't... I don't want you to do that, Harry said. Please don't do things like that. I don't want you to die. I don't want to die, said Draco. You picked up something you knew might kill you, Harry said. You hurt yourself. I, I came in and you were... You, you were... I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get it off, and I thought you might... And he stumbled to a halt. His hands were shaking now, he noticed distantly. It was good that they'd waited until now, the cloud of danger pulling back, just hovering over the house, not so thick around them, until Draco reached up and yanked it back down again. I didn't think it would be so... so fast, Draco said. I didn't think it would hurt that much. Or... or I... I don't know. I thought maybe it was right. Maybe it was what was supposed to happen. It's a curse, Harry said. Do you think curses are really well known for their clear moral insight? Draco didn't say anything. Harry couldn't help it. He folded his arms tighter around Draco's chest, pulled his knees closer around Draco's hips, sat huddled around him. He tilted his head down against Draco's shoulder. He had saved Draco's life, again, despite Draco's best efforts, again, and he wanted a hug. He'd take one like this if nothing else. But Draco shivered and turned into him, settling in against Harry. His hand came up, hesitantly touching Harry's own. Harry grumbled, exhausted and overwrought. What a stupid fucking curse. As if feeling bad about the things you've done isn't its own punishment. As if everyone doesn't feel awful about something. Draco stroked Harry's knuckles. His voice was light, almost disinterested. I have more to feel awful about than you do. Well, yeah, said Harry, incredulous, and raised his head. And you feel worse. But as you do better, you'll feel better. Do you feel better now? I mean, I'm a bit sore. You do feel better. A little, Harry said stubbornly. You feel better than you did in sixth year. You feel better than you did in eighth year. You're in Aura, you're Hermione's partner, you knew Pinky, you're here with me. Draco was quiet. After a moment, he said, I feel a bit better. Then, very low, I didn't mean to scare you. Harry kissed Draco's neck, nosed along his ear. Draco let out a little huffing breath and reached for Harry's hands, curling his fingers idly around Harry's. And then he startled, drawing back, wiggling half out of Harry's hold. Harry looked up, annoyed. Draco was staring at the blood under Harry's fingernails, the welt on his palm, the quick, sharp marks the coin had left on him before he flung it away. Harry, he said. The piece of eight cut you. Yeah, said Harry. It only cuts guilty people, said Draco, twisting around to look at him, his eyebrows pulling into a confused frown. I feel guilty all the time, said Harry. Draco looked as if Harry had just started speaking in a foreign language. But that's... you saved everyone. Not everyone, said Harry. Draco stared at him. After a moment, he dipped his head and touched the cut on Harry's palm with his lips. Not a bit, he murmured. You don't make any sense to me at all. And this time, it wasn't an accusation, but something strange and shy, close to wonder. Harry couldn't breathe for how lovely it was. He felt as if, if he moved an inch, the entire dream would dissipate, leaving him alone in an empty bathroom. He held very still as Draco turned around to straddle him and rested his nose next to Harry's. Not kissing. Not quite kissing. Sharing the same breath. Harry waited for Draco to kiss him. He didn't. He just touched Harry, his cold, slender fingers running over Harry's scalp, his face, his neck. Harry swallowed. Where did you go? 
Draco said it very quietly and very close, words spoken to the stubble of Harry's cheek. A walk, Harry said. He closed his eyes. Draco rubbed his lips to the line of his jaw. I couldn't find you, he said. Sorry, whispered Harry, mind fogging over with it, the adrenaline and relief and Draco's nearness and... I was just... I, I needed to... I get stupid, Draco said, and then swallowed, nosing at Harry's ear. When you leave? Fuck, Harry said, and held Draco very tightly over his ribs. Draco's breath turned into a hot puff, mouth sliding to Harry's neck. Harry asked, Did I hurt you last night? Draco turned his face, a gesture that was neither a yes or a no. His lips touched the corner of Harry's mouth, not kissing. You destroyed me, if that's what you mean, he said. Heat flashed down Harry's spine. Jesus, that's not what I meant. Draco kissed his cheek. A chaste, simple thing. Harry shuddered. You came back, Draco said. It was just a walk, said Harry. Draco bent his head, tucking himself small beneath Harry's chin. I wasn't sure, he said. Utterly besotted, thought Harry. He was conscious of how fragile everything felt between them, this tiny piece, the ability to touch. Draco wanted him and he wasn't sure how or why or what it was in spite of. He wondered what would have happened, years ago, if he had written a nicer letter. If maybe he could be nicer, kinder, gentler, and then Draco wouldn't have to be pushed into saying he'd stay. Draco turned his chin up slightly, his mouth an offer. Come on, Harry said. Let's get you some tea. Draco turned away. All right, he said, and let Harry help him back onto his feet. He was still a little wobbly, and held on to Harry's arm as they went down the stairs, and Harry wouldn't let him go couldn't keep away, maintained a hovering hold on his waist, his wrist. Draco shot him quick, searching looks. Easy, Harry said, and Draco said, okay, and then stumbled over the last stair, was caught by Harry, slumped into him. He breathed into Harry's neck. Harry led them to the kitchen. We should write to Hermione, Draco said. He'd been instructed to stay in his chair. Later, Harry said, waiting for the kettle to whistle, the toast to jump. Draco sighed. When Harry glanced at him over his shoulder, he was inspecting his own hand, his palm. The skin had knitted itself back perfectly. No trace had been left of the horror. Harry put Draco's cup on the table, a plate of toast. Draco looked up from his hand, and was so dear that Harry leaned down, held himself poised and pressed a small kiss to Draco's brow, another to the hill beneath his eye. Draco's mouth parted with a huff and tilted up. Harry went and sat opposite him, the table between them. Drink your tea, he said, and Draco did. In silence... Harry holding on to his mug and not drinking at all, just watching Draco. His short little slurps, the way his throat worked when he swallowed. Draco finished his tea. He had a few bites of toast. He paused, then, rather suddenly, and said, I'm quite tired now. Yes, Harry said. He'd lost some blood. Come on, he said, and stood, and held out his hand for Draco to take. Walked him to the sitting room, Draco's hand in his, arm crooked close. He helped Draco settle into the couch, had got a throw for him a pillow. He'd stoked up at the fire and made to leave, but Draco reached out and held on to him and said, No, stay, please. And Harry paused and said, I... All right. And when Harry wanted to sit in the armchair, Draco held out for him again and said, Here. Harry felt clumsy again, getting under the quilt, fitting his body close. It had been easier, doing this in the mad wake of lust, in the terrified wake of a disaster. He didn't know what to do with his hands. Draco took one for him, wrapped it around his chest. They were wedged against the back of the couch, Draco facing outward, facing the fireplace. Harry kept his hips angled away, kept his hand open and light over Draco's ribs. 
He wanted to say something into this close space, into their hold. He wanted to tell Draco, you scared me, you scared me so much. But he'd already said that, or something like that. All that he meant by it, anyway, was that he wanted Draco to stay. And that sentiment, too, he'd already uttered. Last night, Draco's heat all around him, moaning into the crook of his neck. Instead, he whispered, Draco, and in answer Draco inhaled deeply. He'd fallen asleep. The day, as it unfolded, was slow and foggy, as though someone had thrown a heavy blanket over the both of them. When Draco woke up, he'd been disoriented, had turned in Harry's arms, and said, confused, Did I almost die yesterday? And Harry said, That was today. And Draco said, How is that still today? And Harry said, I know, and smiled at him, so happy to have him, to still have him. Then Draco kissed him, and Harry's mind slowed and thickened and then stopped altogether. It was sweet and slow at first, a tilting of heads, but then the slick sound of Draco's tongue against his, and Harry rolled over on top of him, and Draco's legs slipped between his, and when Harry grabbed the meat of his thigh and squeezed, Draco's breath went short on a moan, and Harry's vision went hot, and he had to get up and cool off, and he had to get up and off and walk out the back door, stand in the cold for a second, shivering, jumping up and down a few times. He had to be more careful this time. He had to. He couldn't afford not to be. Harry? Draco called from inside. His voice had a creak to it. Sorry, Harry called back. Sorry, just a second. Sorry. They wrote to Hermione. Or rather, Draco dictated and Harry wrote. Harry's hand was still a bit shaky in its hold of the pen. He stood hunched over Harry's shoulder, watching as he wrote, correcting his spelling. He put one absent hand into Harry's hair and Harry got distracted by it, by the line of his jaw, by the way his mouth moved as he talked. Draco didn't notice. But then Harry's quill had dripped a stain onto the paper, and Draco had said, What? Watch it! Keep the... And then he noticed. They didn't finish the letter. Draco had gone clumsy and breathless, and climbed into his lap with a, Why didn't you say? And they frotted into a mess, necked until Harry growled and twisted both of Draco's arms behind his back, and Draco went soft with a whine, bent back against the desk. He was still rather bruised against his collarbone. There was a smudge of blood on the sleeve of his shirt. Fuck. Harry said, sorry, sorry, and let him go. What? Draco said, dazed. Sorry, Harry said again, and disentangled himself gently, his hands careful on Draco's ribs, his hips. He stumbled out of the room somehow, his heart racing and his mind clouded and swallowing, swallowing. Draco went and had a shower, and Harry flew with Hermione instead. She wanted to come over immediately, and Harry said, no, he's resting, and had to say it three times over, almost shouted at one point. Hermione had one foot out of the flue. She made him promise to send the coin instead. But careful, she said. It's a nasty piece of work. Yes, Harry had said. I'm wildly aware. The bloodied thing was where they'd left it. Tossed into the corner of the room, a faded shine of copper under the ugly red. Harry spelled it into tight foil wrapping, and that into a box, and that into another box, which he warded as heavily as he could. On the accompanying note, he wrote to Hermione, a special kind of arsehole, this one. He sent it off, and then tidied the study. Tidied the bathroom so that none of the blood remained. Tidied downstairs, the kitchen. Rightened the chairs, the books. Folded the throw. Put everything back in its drawer. Draco was dozing in his bed when Harry came up with lunch. The curtains drawn, the room cast in shade, a glimpse of Draco's bare leg between the sheets. His face pinched pink, his hair wild on Harry's pillow. He looked fresh, and not at all as if he'd almost died. Harry's chest turned itself over. He knocked on the doorpost and said, gruffly, Soup. Lovely. Draco said, and stretched out, and then winced a little. Harry blinked quickly away, and went to bed, and didn't know what to do, other than put the soup on the bedside table, which he did. Then he stood there, uneasy. 
Draco glanced at the bowl, then back at Harry. He sat up only a little, said, Sit. Harry did, carefully, perched himself on the edge of the bed. So the three theories are, Draco began. His voice was deeper now, a twisted sort of amused. Either that the sex was good, but you don't find me particularly attractive. Harry looked down at him, throat dry. Draco continued, Or that the sex was good, but you morally object to the fact that it, that it was me. He stumbled over this. That it was me you were having it with. Or three, that the sex was good, but now that I've bled a little on your newly varnished study floor, you've rather gone off the idea because... Because either way, the sex was good. And then with a weak smile. Or wasn't it? For you, Harry? Jesus, Harry said. It was good. Right, Draco said, nodding. Still with that very brave briskness to his voice, though he wasn't meeting Harry's eyes. Gaze darting over Harry's mouth, his chin. And I thought it was quite good, um, last time, in eighth year. Perhaps I was a little fast, but I was eighteen. You were perfect, Harry said. Draco stopped, that hectic blush crawling up his throat again. It was awful to have to look Draco in the face and admit these things, but Harry didn't want to leave him, so he swung onto the bed properly, lying down next to Draco and pressing his hands against the covers, trying to resist moving immediately into the warmth at his side. You're always perfect. Draco paused. Thank you, he said. That's very nice. There was something kind of pleased about his voice, even though he went on to say, Obviously completely untrue, which reinforces my point that you like the sex, if you can say mad things like that, so I don't understand. Harry stayed quiet, the words thick in his throat. Draco said, You might as well tell me. We can't go on like this anyway. Who knows what the next letter might say? He was trying so hard to be friendly, to turn all of Harry's accidental cruelties into a joke, and Harry rolled and pressed his face against Draco's side, breathed him in. Draco was still for a moment, and then his hand came to touch Harry's hair, just gently, carding through. Harry said, I hurt you. No, you're not that heavy, you're fine. No, Harry said, frustrated. Last night, and today, and always. I think I don't know how to... Maybe it's from school. Whenever I see you, I don't know how to, how to be gentle or... This is terrible, he said abruptly. This is awful. Is this your idea of therapy or something? No, Draco said slowly. It's just that I'd quite like to suck your dick again, and I didn't realise you were having a massive existential crisis about being a bit of a top. Harry squeezed his eyes tight. He moved his head just a little, his nose bumping against Draco's ribs, Draco's hand tugging gently at his hair like a tease. What? Harry said, muffled. Is that really it? Draco said. Really? Not the dark mark? I thought for sure it had to be a little bit about the mark. Harry raised his head, frowning. Nothing's wrong with you. Nothing, he amended, when Draco looked sceptical again, and because he wasn't an idiot, he hadn't forgotten everything they'd done to one another, that I don't want. What do you mean, a bit of a top? Harry, Draco said. He pushed up on his elbows. He was starting to smile. It was kind of a goofy one, actually. Made his eyes crinkle at the corner and showed too many teeth. But he looked so genuinely pleased, so sweetly amused, that Harry loved it. It was incandescent. I just... Yeah, you're pretty rough in bed, but luckily I like getting roughed up. I thought that was the whole thing. The, you know, the great sexual chemistry. That's what you've decided to fixate on, really. I thought, Harry said numbly, I thought I was hurting you. Well, but that's not always a bad thing. But I don't want to. I I hate it. I hate it today, said Harry. Yes, cursed objects that try to rip my bones out through my skin is a little different than being fucked up against a wall, Draco said. He'd started, unbelievably, to laugh. I thought maybe that might be obvious, but I can certainly show you if you're that worried about... You like it, Harry said. He could feel his cheeks heating. 
He was embarrassed, but it was thrilling, too. Very much, Draco said, and touched Harry's cheek, tidied some hair behind his ear. He was still smiling at him, hazy and lovely. You sweet idiot. We can talk about it more if that would help, but there's really not anything to worry about. Okay, Harry said. Okay. He was thinking, very quickly, about the way Draco went still whenever Harry touched him, the pliant way he did what he was told. Not fear or obedience, or maybe a little of both, but coloured with desire. With wanting it. Harry licked his lips. So you... you don't mind when I hold your wrists? No, no, any time, Draco said, grinning at him. And he was so sweet and boyish and pleased with himself that Harry couldn't help it. He took hold of Draco's wrist where it lay next to him, and Draco laughed. Harry squeezed it, and Draco was still smiling, but his laughter quietened, his eyes bright and attentive. Something in Harry rushed up high and then rolled to settle through his whole body. He was conscious of his hands, his legs, his chest still close enough to touch Draco's side. He moved up, slowly. Or when I like... if I hold you down, Harry tried, and drew the wrist over Draco's head, moving to hover up over him, not quite resting his weight. Draco hiccuped a breathless little laugh and said, No, that's fine. Harry settled himself securely over Draco, catching his other wrist, too. He could fit both of Draco's bony wrists together, looped his fingers around them, holding them tight and close, and Draco let out a harsh breath and nodded just a little. Harry lowered his mouth against Draco's cheek, kissing the skin there, and then dragged his teeth against Draco's neck, biting at his collarbone with the t-shirt lay stretched out, first teasingly, and then a little harder. His voice was very low and very warm. And you don't mind it when I bite too hard? Well, I don't know. Draco said, voice catching. You haven't yet. Harry bit until Draco was arching up against him, begging, shaking, and in the middle, a little breathless, he said, It's... it's good. Harry, Harry. Yeah, Harry said, voice low, and caught his hungry mouth again. He felt dizzy with it, the ease with which Draco lay back and let Harry have him. I... I told you, you're perfect. You're... I'm not. Draco's clean, healed palms twitching restlessly against the pillow where Harry was holding them down. His mouth was wet and swollen to the corner of Harry's lips. You're mine, said Harry, letting his weight go heavy over Draco, flattening, caging him in. Draco's breath hitched and he said it again, teeth sharp to the soft underside of Draco's chin. Mine. The soup went cold, of course, and they were hungry after that. For once, Draco couldn't be bothered with cooking. In the kitchen he said, Sandwiches will do, right? You don't mind sandwiches, and got distracted while reaching for the bread in the upper cupboard because Harry had pushed off the table and plastered himself to Draco's back and groaned into Draco's neck. Harry, Draco breathed, and the bread fell into the sink. Can't I just eat you? Harry said, stupid, and bit over the mark he'd left before, sucked at it, rubbed his stubble over the sensitive skin. You can try, Draco said, and spread his stance, back arched, words going slow. Harry was starting to recognise this for what it was now, the slowing, the lowering of his gaze, how thick his speech became. Harry kicked Draco's legs further apart and sucked on his earlobe and said, Let's try. And Draco breathed, fuck. And Harry told him to keep his hands on the counter, to hold them there, to be very quiet. The kitchen floor was very hard under his knees and Draco shivered through the whole thing. The sounds he made got warped in his throat, held secret behind his lips. He was trying so hard to keep quiet. Harry bit his thigh, and the one cheek and then the other, and held him open and told him he was perfect, perfect for him, that he was being so fucking perfect for him. Afterwards, Draco couldn't quite catch his breath, and he said, You're a madman, said, Intent on dragging me down with you, my God! He'd let Harry rut to completion against his thigh, his arse. Harry in a chair, Draco in his lap, Harry's spit still slick between them. I ran into Elsie this morning, Harry said. His voice sounded nothing like him, 
He sounded nothing like himself. He nuzzled Draco's sweaty back of a neck, the jutting top of his spine. Draco said, Hmm? She said, Harry started, then had to try again, still out of breath himself. She said, She said that my boyfriend wouldn't shut up about, Oh my God! Draco moaned and twisted and tried to half hide his face in Harry's neck, half in his own hands. That's so embarrassing, he said, muffled. No, Harry said, and laughed, and kissed over his knuckles, his fingers. No, it's not. It's not. That was Chapter 5 of The Bolt Hole, written by ADMI, Tepra, and Gala Placidia, and read by Gala Placidia. Tune in next week for Chapter 6. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating on iTunes, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? For more stories by me, head to AO3. I also have an Instagram, at letthemeetbooks, with underscores instead of spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.